Nighttime on Still Waters. This is NB506812, narrowcasting into the night from somewhere on Britain's waterways. Christmas Eve, 24th of December, Thursday. Last night's storms have swept the sky clear, and the oncoming tide of sunlight washes the eastern horizon the colour of blood oranges. This morning was the first morning this winter I've really needed gloves, and the boat is a haven of warmth when we return. A mug of tea waits steaming on the side as I watch the cormorant spread its wings in the sun. This is Narrowboat 506812, bringing to you Christmas greetings from under a frosty sky. And a very warm welcome to you. I'm recording this a little bit earlier than I usually do, and you might pick up from time to time some noises from outside as boaters either make preparations for Christmas or come and check over their boats before uh, the next lockdown, which appears to be on the horizon but it's still dark, and we've passed the solstice, although because of the way the Earth's axis tilts, or the, the obliquity of the ecliptic, I love that name, uh, it means that our mornings are still getting darker. It does also mean that our evenings are actually getting a little bit lighter, and I think since the last podcast that I did at the weekend, we've already got a minute extra daylight. And so the cycles continue as the skies spin above our heads, and soon the frost glaze will give way to the softer haze of late summer afternoons and gnats dancing low over the water, the smell of strawberry and elderberry. And the November buds have already promised us that. But getting back to tonight, Tonight's special. It's special because, after all the challenges and the disappointments, and for many of us, even loss, that we've experienced throughout this past year, Christmas, whether you normally celebrate it or not, has seemed to have garnered a special importance. And it's also special, as I know, for many, it will carry a greater poignancy perhaps even a feeling of aloneness and a sense that things are not all right. And that's true. Things are not all right. Last night's storm blew itself out and clearer skies have ushered in colder airflow and the Christmas tree and the little bundles of lights in our boat are now lit. And Penny's tucked up beside the stove next to me, awaiting Donna to return home from work. And in a short while, we will walk up the hill to the car to meet her. And Christmas will begin. And for me, Christmas Eve has always been the most magical part of Christmas. Childhood memories of Christmas tend to be of Christmas Eves, especially the one when the snow fell deep. 
We've been out visiting aunts and uncles, and the drive home was always a bit special on a Christmas Eve, looking through the car window at the lights in the windows as we passed, pretending to see a sleigh in the night sky. And that night I must obviously have drifted off to sleep, because when we got home I remember waking up, being carried up the garden path by Dad, through crunching drifts of snow that glittered silver and orange and chocolate foil blue in the street lamp glare. There's something special about that hushed, still expectancy that hangs in the air on a Christmas Eve. And I'm aware that many of you are not able to have the Christmas that you'd planned. And I wanted to personally be able to say to you, Merry Christmas, you're not forgotten. And I also want to thank you for listening and for all your comments and messages of support from all over the globe. And our lone coot here is getting quite a fan club. She or he, I can't tell which, and I've looked up in all the books as to how you can distinguish between a male and a female coot, and apparently it's really by the, the width of banding, a white banding on the forehead. And as you don't have one to compare with the other... I'm not able to tell whether it's a male or a female, but anyway, he or she is doing really well. And in fact, just earlier on, as I was feeding the swans, um, it muscled in, and of course then all the ducks piled in, and it was having a rare old time battling them all off. And I also wanted to say a special hello to my dad and sister. We meant to be meeting up this Christmas, but obviously we, we can't now. And on top of all of that, poor old Wendy has gone down with the shingles. And so, Merry Christmas, Dad. Merry Christmas, Wendy. And I hope you're not feeling too horrid. And Merry Christmas, Andrew. And I hope your eye is healing a bit better, or feeling a bit better. They're having a bit of a, bit of a time over there. I was reading the other day the 17th century calendar of shepherds again, and... I read an extract from it a few weeks back. And I was struck by the lively way it captured the feasts and festivities of Windsor, but also those internal contradictions and ambiguities that are so often associated with winter and Christmas. The book uses the months of the year to chart the life of a person, January being birth. And so December represents old age and death and therefore there's this underlying sense of pessimism in it and also the shepherd of the title or shepherds in the title uh, are not shepherds as in sheep workers but are ministers of the church and so therefore the writer is informed and influenced by the prevailing theologies of the time, which, again, verge very close to misanthropy and has this underlying dark character and pessimism to it. Nevertheless, it can't shake the vibrancy and the chaotic energy 
and the observations are all jumbled without any clear sense of order. And yet because of it, it captures that frantic energy of the season that still resonates today. It's now December, he writes, and he that walks the streets shall find dirt on his shoes, except he go all in boots. And now doth the lawyer make an end of his harvest and the client of his purse. Now capons and hens, beside turkeys, geese and ducks, beside beef and mutton, must all die for their great feast, for in twelve days a multitude of people will not be fed with a little. Now plums and spice and sugar and honey, square it among pies and broth, and gossip I drink to you and you are welcome, and I thank you, and how do you do, and I pray ye be merry. Now are the tailors and the tire-makers full of work against the holidays, and music must now be in tune or else never. The youth must dance and sing, and the aged sit by the fire. It is the law of nature, and no contradiction in reason. The ass that hath borne all the year must now take a little rest, and the lean ox must feed till he be fat. The footman now shall have many a foul step, and the ostler shall have work enough about the heels of the horses, while the tapster, if he take no heed, will lie drunk in the cellar. The prices of meat will rise apace, and the apparel of the proud will make the tailor rich. Dice and cards will benefit the butler, and if the cook do not lack wit, he will lick, sweetly lick his fingers. Starchers and laundrers will have their hands full of work, and periwigs and painting will not be a little set by. Strange stuffs will be well sold, strange tales well told, strange sights much sought, strange things much bought, and what else as falls out? To conclude, I hold it the costly purveyor of excess, the after-breeder of necessity, the practice of folly and the purgatory of reason. Farewell. I love that. And there's an element about it which methinks he doth protest too much. And this, this sense of ambiguity about and contradiction about the season can be picked up time and time again. There's another lovely example in John Clare's poem, December, that's delightfully upbeat, almost uncharacteristically so. John Clare was a peasant poet who lived an incredibly hard life, living through the tyranny of the enclosures and also battling with his own personal demons and mental health issues. And in his poem, he lists and describes all the joyful activities that young and old, rich and poor, enjoy about the season. And yet, right at the end, this edge of loss and grief cuts through. We don't have time for me to read the whole thing, but it's certainly worth investigating and reading and savouring. It's, it's a beautifully evocative painting, panoramic painting of Christmas time 
and December festivities and festivals at the time that Claire was writing. And I'll just read the last couple of verses. About the glowing hearth at night, the harmless laugh and winter tale go round, while parting friends delight to toast each other o'er their ale. The cotter oft with quiet seal will, musing o'er his Bible lean, while in the dark the lovers steal to kiss and toy behind the screen. Old customs, oh, I love the sound, however simple they may be, whatever with time hath sanction found is welcome and is dear to me. Pride grows above simplicity and spurns them for her haughty mind. And soon the poet's song will be the only refuge they can find. This seems to be a really common motif about winter, and numerous writers have noted these tensions meteorologically, as well as religiously and culturally, that are related to this season. And they seem to be resonating more powerfully this year. It's like we're encountering once more the worlds in which our ancestors experienced. It's as if this year, the past thousands of years, have leaked back into our present. And those fears and uncertainties and perhaps even the priorities of survival that those who lived before us felt, we too are beginning to also feel. And that dread and the frustrations and even the anger at the seeming maliciousness of life and the elements that I read in the Georgian and Victorian diaries of Woodford and White and Kilvert and others, we also can recognize and understand in perhaps a sharper and clearer way. It's as if this year a great dam has broken, destroying all those precarious conceits upon which Western modernity and postmodernity have been built. Like those before us, our night times might be filled with the unknown. Our plans may be less sure than they once were, more tentative. And yet there's that corresponding urge to light the darkness, a uniquely and ultimately human expression. And as I sit here tonight on Christmas Eve, with a frost layering the cabin roof, or if it's not quite layering it, it soon will be tonight. And I look out of the porthole to my side and see across the water the boats all lit up, a tinsel ribbon of lights under a bright but cloudy blown sky. And their lights glint and flare on the ruffled surface and the few ducks that are still out swim among the shifting star fields of our making. What's outside your window tonight? Look out, right now.
What lights can you see? And your light also shines out. This year we've been reminded that we walk on a fragile world and our place within it may not be as secure as we had thought or assumed, but it's a wonderful world and you're a part of it. And although Christmas may not be what we planned, remember that there are lights out there in our darkness and that there are voices that come to us under a night sky. And as I sign off for tonight, I just want to wish you a very, very happy Christmas. Good night. Temperature outside one degree. Inside 24 degrees. Humidity, 77%. Dew point, 0.5 degrees. Wind direction, northwest. Wind strength, 11 miles per hour. Barometric pressure, 1022 and rising. Precipitation, None. Moon phase. 76.1% waxing gibbous. Day length. 7 hours 44 minutes. Sunset. 15.58. Skycasting. 8.14.